welcome to the She Talks Health Podcast, your source for information about all things women's hormonal health. I'm your host, Sophie Shepard. I'm the founder of She Talks Health and the co-creator of the 12-week Empower Her group gut and hormone program. I'm a certified functional health coach and a holistic menstrual health educator. This podcast was created to give you clarity about how to take control over your hormonal health using safer, natural options. I created this podcast to cover the widespread and complex health issues plaguing women today. From the rise of infertility to the epidemically high numbers of women with autoimmune disease to menstrual cycle problems, digestive issues, anxiety, weight gain, food sensitivities, mental, emotional, and energetic imbalances, and so much more. If there's a topic that you need answered, I encourage you to write us at podcast at shetalkshealth.com and we will try our absolute best to cover that subject. My greatest mission in life is to help women radically change their health and their lives by teaching them how they can use their hormones as their superpowers. So with that in mind, I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome back, ladies, to the She Talks Health Podcast. This is your host, Sophie Shepard. I am so pumped to talk about something that I personally have not experienced, which is what happens after we have a baby. Um, But I do have my dear friend here today, Kimberly McFerrin, and she's going to be talking to us about postpartum. We had gotten into this whole conversation about how our culture is set up to bounce back, to push hard, to go, 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 and how damaging that can be for a woman who's just had a baby. So this is for all of you women that are about to have babies um, or or are wanting to have children to flag and save for your postpartum um, support. And Kimberly, um, to introduce Kimberly, she has spent the last decade working in the fitness um, industry and really specializing in women's health. So she's combined her fitness and nutrition expertise with her experience as a doula, which I love, to be able to focus on providing individualized care to each of her clients in order to meet them where they are at. This is so important. She helps them realistically accomplish their goals. Um, And the birth of her first daughter, coupled with her long history of endometriosis, really inspired her to cultivate truly sound, supportive content for people Um, with the infradian rhythm. Um, So that's uh, how we work in the month with our menstrual cycle and really provide them resources that are not cookie cutter fitness regimens um, and really help them meet them where they are. So Kimberly, it's just an honor to have you on the She Talks Health podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much, Sophie, for having me. I'm so excited for this conversation. Yeah, I am too. I, I think we met on Clubhouse, right? We did. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And we were just jamming about how there is like this kind of fitness industry thing and like kind of cookie cutter thing, like you said, you know, about how women should be and how we need to be working out and how we need to be eating. And in reality, if we work with our cycle, we kind of are super powered. Um, And so I imagine the same thing happens when we kind of deal with postpartum, right? Um, something I have not experienced. I've, I've never been pregnant, but I definitely see it. I see this culture of like pushing women and get, get back to your ideal body and all these things. So yeah, let's walk through like what happens after you <laughs> birth because obviously there's a huge hormon- hormonal shift, which impacts, I think most importantly, your 
firstly is our mental health. So walk us through what's like a, a situation that happens at postpartum for women when it comes to their mental health. Well, you know, Sophia, I feel like it happens even before then. I feel like we even start to get into these conversations in pregnancy around how uh, pregnant people and birthing people are expected to look. There's an expectation that we put on people that when you're pregnant, you know, you still need to look a certain way. You still need to be uh, appealing to the eye. You need to be, you know, you need to have this like physical approval that society has deemed acceptable for you. Um, and the messaging can be really toxic. Sometimes it's subtle. And then sometimes it's like, you know, you need to stay in shape for your husband. You need to make sure your husband still finds you attractive. I mean, it just gets really, it gets really deep and dark and really, really awful. Um, and it's, it's become sort of just an accepted part of society that we as, as the partner, the birthing person, which is most commonly a, a woman, we are meant to, we are here to please and we are here to present and we are here to be essentially an accessory, right? And so we're supposed to gain a good amount of weight, but we're not supposed to gain too much weight. And we're only supposed to gain weight in the right places. So in pregnancy, people love a healthy belly, right? And they want your belly to be big and voluptuous and the same with your breasts. But then if you start gaining weight in other places, you know, like say around your arms or under your chin or maybe around your thighs, then it gets questionable about like, are you really healthy in your pregnancy? And that's what we that's what we sort of use as a litmus for health, right? How you gain weight, where your body stores weight, that determines whether or not you're healthy. And that's obviously a, a really difficult foundation to set up for the postpartum experience because then there are already these ideas of how you are or are not supposed to gain weight, but that's deemed acceptable to a certain degree when you have a baby growing inside of you. But the minute that baby is out of you, that weight is supposed to disappear. It's supposed to be as if you never carried a baby. You're supposed to bounce back, snap back, get into your pre-pregnancy genes, get into your pre-pregnancy whatever, go back to your pre-pregnancy workout. And it's all this idea that we are meant to go through this huge transformation of childbirth and then suddenly go back to who we were before as opposed to taking the the cap off, right? And taking the restrictions off and then being able to empower people to become something even better and something even stronger. But it's really, I mean, there's this huge shift in mindset that needs to happen to where we prioritize health, which is physical, mental, and emotional. And we prioritize a person's journey because the emotional experience that you go through and the physical experience that you go through with pregnancy and childbirth is unlike anything else that you will ever experience. And expecting people to either remain the same or be who they were before is disregarding the reality of who they've become. And so it's stifling, and um, to say the least. <laughs> and on a larger scale, for some people, it's incredibly damaging and harmful and can contribute to significant health problems. Ooh, I feel like I need a microphone to drop. That was... <laughs> so sassy and amazing and I love it. You're right. I think no matter where a woman is in their journey, whether you're trying to get pregnant or not, there's a whole conversation about how women, you know, quote, should look. And then it just gets worse. I think this idea of like, you know, a woman's body being like prioritized for pregnancy and then like afterwards, it's like, oh, well, you're just supposed to be back where you were. There was this post, um, I'm sure you follow her, Dr. Um, Jolene Brighton just had a baby. And um, she is the author of Beyond Pill. And she has, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers or something ridiculous. And she posted this 
amazing photo of herself, multiple photos where she had like a diaper on. And she's like, no one likes to talk about the fact that like after you give birth, you're like passing huge clots that are like the size of limes and, you know, your belly doesn't just like magically deflate back to the way it was. Like, that's not what happens. You're growing a human in there. Um, And I just loved how real she was. Like, let's, can we normalize this? So um, yeah. So talk to us, like how, how you have this now, you have this Okay, there's like two things that I see happening, right? It's like there's societal pressure and the societal like, you know, um, thoughts about what a woman should look like. And then there's like you have a baby. How do you now like even prioritize your physical health if you want to like, quote, get back to that like pre-baby weight or like whatever? Um, How do you even begin to prioritize yourself when you've got an infant? Um, Like what, what have you found helpful when you're, you know, postpartum in terms of putting, putting, maybe not putting yourself first, but like, how do you get your, your mental and your physical health back on track after, after a baby? You know, honestly, I think it's a lot to suss through. I think it's, um, and every pregnancy is different and every birth is different. And so on the one hand, there's the conversation of bio-individuality and how, the more we compare ourselves to others, the less we're able to acknowledge what our own individual body needs, right? Um, But that's only a piece of a larger equation, which is that every single pregnancy and every single birth is different. And so what I needed in in postpartum healing with my first daughter was very, very different than what I needed with my second daughter. And so you really have to have a level of self-knowing and self-understanding to be able to feel what you need. And and that's a really hard conversation to have with a lot of people because the way that our healthcare system is set up, we go to a provider and they tell us what to do, right? Or we go to a health coach and they tell us what to do, or we go to a fitness coach and they tell us what to do. But that takes away the ability for any person to be involved in shared decision-making. And shared decision-making is not a concept that is common in our health culture. Um, and In fact, it's even shamed in some ways, right? If I went to my personal trainer and said, you know, I want to get in shape, but here are the things I'm not willing to do and here are the things that I want to focus on, plenty of personal trainers would let their ego get in the way of that and be like, well, you can't tell me how to do my job. I'm going to tell you what you need to do. And that's and and it's not just personal trainers. It's across the board. It's doctors. It's it's providers on many different levels. And, you know, I don't think that. I'm not, I don't mean to fault anyone because it's the way that our system has been built and so that it's the way people have expected the dynamic to become. Um, and so it's, it depends on where the, where the individual is postpartum. Do they have enough self-awareness and enough body awareness to be able to feel what they need? And um, if the answer is no, of course, that's okay. Not everyone, no one's just born with, well, I guess that's debatable. Plenty of people are born with it, but we're sort of trained out of it, right? We're trained out of it as we grow into adults. And so it is a process of getting to know yourself. And if you have the tools to already be able to check in with your body and really understand on a level of self-awareness what it is that you need, you have to be willing to listen and remove your ego from that. And that I think is, is one of the most difficult pieces for people in in the postpartum stage because you don't feel good. Your body hurts. You're exhausted. Your body does not feel like your own. I mean, it feels like you are in a foreign vessel. 
And that's a really hard thing to be okay with. And that's a really hard thing to allow to pass. It's something that we want to take a stronghold on and take control over because it doesn't – it it can feel very alarming to be in a body that suddenly does not feel like your body anymore. And, you know, there are so many layers to that as well because if you are co-sleeping, if you are baby-wearing, if you are breastfeeding, any of those things really take you to a level of feeling touched out at the end of the day. And so you feel like your body belongs to someone else. You feel like you don't have the same physical identity that you used to have. Your body is not there for pleasure in the way that it was before. Your body is not there for health or for fitness in the way that it was before. And that's that can be a really difficult thing to come to terms with. And I think, you know, as much as we can say to people it's not going to last forever, it's so much easier to say that than it is to hear that and to receive that and to put that into practice for your own life because it's like we all there's this build up right there's this like ramping up to getting the baby out and we're all just by the time you get to the end of pregnancy it's exhausting and it's incredibly uncomfortable and you want it to be over with so by the time the baby's out it's like oh my god i can i can start to feel like myself again but it's not that simple it's not like the baby comes out and then suddenly your body is yours again i mean it it really is a process and so I think just having a conversation or continuing to have these conversations around normalizing that idea is a really big step in the right direction. You really feel like it's an individual experience and that we need to start normalizing the conversation about finding what intuitively you need. And it sounds, I mean, that's something that I think I, gosh, I try to instill into women also, because you're right. Like even as a health coach, as a functional health coach, a lot of women will come to me and be like, I just want you to tell me what to do. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's totally fine and fair. And like what I always say to them, if we're on a call where we're deciding whether or not to work together, what I'll basically say back is I will start the guidance and I will tell you what to do. And then you are going to need to start to listen to your body so that we can co-collaborate on this because you're not always going to have me. And right now it sounds like what is happening is you don't trust your own instincts and that's okay. But one of the tools that we need to build is your ability to trust your own instinct and how you feel in your body. So like, for example, with food, like, is this, can I eat this food? I get that a lot. Well, am I on track with food? Well, how do you feel? You know, how, how is this, is this food giving you energy and life force or is it depleting you? You know, are you feeling exhausted after you eat it? So I would imagine that kind of a similar conversation has to happen postpartum with tapping into this intuition, a woman's intuition that's so powerful, but we often, I mean, it's kind of beaten out of us, right? <laughs> By the time yeah. of pregnancy, I think. So are there- Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, it's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Are there any tools that you found particularly helpful in getting back to yourself? One tool that I use for not postpartum, but just for regular life is asking myself like, hey, like, what do I want today? Or what do I need today? Or how, what do I need to prioritize today? And just kind of having that open dialogue as opposed to like, my days are already made up for me. Like, what can I add in or subtract today or get support with? so that I can really get through this day more optimally. Uh, But I'm curious if you found anything particularly helpful. Hmm. (laughs) That's uh, a really good question. Well, I think that first and foremost, we have to reframe the postpartum period. Our culture does not honor the postpartum period um, as a whole. 
There are parts of our culture that do. It depends. You know, the midwifery model is very focused around the first 40 days postpartum. Um, but other countries have have incredible rituals around the first 40 days. And, you know, it's really this concept of the village coming together and providing nourishment and support uh, for these new parents for these birthing people whose bodies are very much in recovery. I mean, we don't have nearly enough dialogue around the cellular regeneration that has to happen in a postpartum body. We're talking about, you know, if you think about where the uterus, uh, excuse me, where the the um, placenta is attached to the uterine wall, that placenta detaches and then you have an open wound that is the, the entire size of the wall of where the placenta was attached, which for most people is, you know, upwards of 10 or more inches. And if you think about someone walking around with a, a an open wound that's 10 inches in diameter on the outside of their body, I mean, the recovery would be incredibly different. You would have balms and, um, you know, you'd probably be taking some kind of pharmaceuticals, you would have dressings and wrappings and you would be keeping it safe and protected and you would be allowing it to heal. But we don't, we don't talk about it the same way. We don't, um, we don't acknowledge it really. We're like, you know, you go, if you have a hospital birth, you go home, you sent home from the hospital and they're like, okay, good luck. (laughs) Hope, hope breastfeeding goes well for you. Um, There's no instructions or support about this no. of healing that has to happen on a cellular and internal level for this wound. That yeah, it- yeah, and I don't fault the hospitals for that. It's not like we can keep everyone in the hospital for forty days postpartum. <laughs> <laughs> but it's dangerous for the new immune system of the baby, anyways. Right, and also, I mean, I would go absolutely insane. We were itching to get out of the hospital at 24 hours post-birth. We were like, can we go? Can we go? Can we go? Can we go? And they were like, oh, let's monitor you a little longer. My husband was like, it's time to leave. Um, but like, you know, just just normalizing that conversation around that postpartum support once you get home in in the um, fourth trimester care model, in the midwifery model, it's that 40 days is sacred and you honor it and you spend the first two weeks in the bed, just in the bed. And you spend the third week on the bed. So that means that, like, you can start to get out and get up and sit upright and, you know, do things that are not just allowing your body to just recover. And then the fourth week is around the bed. So you can start to move around. Of course, that doesn't mean you're actually bedridden. Yes, you can go to the bathroom. Yes, you can, you know, go sit on the back porch and enjoy the sunshine. But the idea is that you are truly allowing your body to recover. For every week that you are pregnant, you're giving it a day of recovery. And, um, I would love a world where we can allow all birthing people to have those 40 days to to allow their bodies to regenerate. But that's also not realistic for a number of reasons that, you know, is a whole other conversation too with like, um, you know, maternity leave and childcare and we're in a pandemic and <laughs> that's like those are other issues. A lot to think about there. And I mean, even if you had a two-parent household, I would imagine, I mean, even, you know, the the other parent would need a break. I mean, that's like that idea of the village coming together, right? So that yeah. both people can take breaks and recharge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And right, it's the village. It's the village concept. Somebody's making you healthy, nourishing meals. Someone is, you know, allowing your body to replenish. If you think about 
on a, on a level of depletion, if you think about all of the things that vacate your body when you go through childbirth, it's not just hormones. It's a lot of hormones. It's like there's a serious hormone detox that happens. But it's hormones. It's fluids. It's nutrients. It's blood. I mean, it's like all of the things that our body needs to function normally. and Well, normally, air quotes, properly. Um, and, and that's another thing that has an incredible amount of bioindividuality. So depending on where you are in your life, depending on where you came from, you know, my, my postpartum recovery was different because of my endometriosis. My pregnancy was different because of my endometriosis. Um, so someone who does not have the same reproductive health issues that I have is going to have a different pregnancy and a different postpartum. And so, I think the biggest conversation is just not mass diagnosing how people are meant to be in their postpartum period and really allowing people to have individual experiences and validating all of those and allowing the person that feels energetic and feels like they can, you know, be up walking around the block at four weeks postpartum, allowing them that experience and then allowing the person that's eight weeks postpartum and still feels like they can't get off the couch, allowing them that as well. Um, but again, that's easier said than done. That means that you have to have maternity leave. That means you have to have a savings account. That means you have to have childcare. It means you have to have a lot of things that plenty of people aren't afforded. Yeah. I mean, it seems, it seems like a privilege in this country, at least to be able to take like eight weeks off or, you know, a, a section of time off or even for both parents to take, you know, I know that that's a big thing in the government right now that they're trying to push more time and paternity um, as well as maternity leave, um, just so that there's more support across the board. So given that we probably won't see changes in this um, <laughs> type of dynamic now, is there anything that could help someone who, like you said, I mean, the fluids, the nutrients, the blood, the hormones, everything leaving the body, if someone's feeling completely depleted outside of asking themselves where they're at? Are there things that help in the recovery process and help in the rejuvenation process for some women, um, even if it's not for everyone, like you said, not blanketed, but maybe there's like one or two things that might be supportive for some of the women listening? Um, unfortunately, my answer is really difficult for type A personalities, but mm -hmm. um, the I think the overarching theme or like the word to really keep in mind is just to be gentle. And that's with your body from a nutrition perspective, from a hydration perspective, um, from a, an emotional and, and mental perspective, especially from a physical perspective. You know, we have – and this is even hard for me to talk about because I come from the fitness industry and I come from prenatal fitness and postpartum fitness. But unfortunately, because of the way that the industry is built, people – need to have a marketing package, right? And it's like, how do I market to my target demographic if I'm not pitching them the same challenge, the same um, workout plan, the same whatever that my competitors are? And so it's this idea that like, okay, the doctors say we get a six-week clearance. So from a fitness perspective, we're going to operate under, under that timeline as well. So starting at six weeks, you're going to come, you're going to work out with me, you're going to do this postpartum regimen, and that's going to get you back to where you need to be. When in reality, like it depends on how your labor was. That's always the first question I ask my clients. Talk me through your labor. I want to hear all about it. How was your pregnancy? How heavy was your baby? Did you have pain? Where did you have pain? Was it sciatica? Was it symphysis pubis dysfunction? Was it somewhere else? Did you have heartburn? Because all these things are going to be indicators as to what's going on internally. 
and we can't properly support the pelvic floor. We can't properly support um, ligaments and attachments. We can't properly support musculoskeletal alignment if we're not taking all of those factors into consideration. And so if I have one person that was a marathoner that ran all the way through her pregnancy and and had an amazing, you know, I won't say pain-free, but had an amazing tolerable childbirth and came out, you know, eight weeks postpartum feeling good, her regimen is going to look very, very different from someone who carried a heavy baby, carried twins, experienced um, different kinds of you know, misalignments in the spine or even in the shoulders. You know, we we see lots of misalignment in the neck, jaw, and shoulders that have contraindications when it comes to childbirth and postpartum recovery as well. So it's it's about taking the entire body into consideration and allowing yourself to be gentle with how you move forward with it. We we have to kind of take I only say this because there's not a, a better way to put it when I frame it this way, but we have to kind of take a step back to take a step forward. Otherwise, if we force ourselves forward, we're going to end up with a huge regression that's multiple steps back. And then, you know, having having larger problem areas like incontinence, um, like low back pain, all of these things that have been deemed normal in the postpartum life, like, oh, I had a baby, so I just pee my pants when I sneeze. Or, oh, I had a baby, so my low back just hurts all the time now. Those things are common, but they don't have to be normal. We just have to take care of our bodies in a different way. Ooh, wow. I think you just hit something that, I mean, that postpartum um, incontinence is something I've, I've heard a ton about, the pelvic floor area. Uh, I work with a woman in one of my programs, Miriam Bove, who's a holistic pelvic floor PT. And one of the things she was doing, the visceral manipulation, but one of the things she talked a lot about was the emotional trauma that goes through a difficult labor or a miscarriage or um, any sort of kind of trauma to the pelvic region and how that can cause misalignment or even pain um, or symptoms that come up. And we, our instinct is to push through it. It's just going to get better or it's just the way it is because it's normal, right? It's the same thing as like a painful cycle, right? It's like how many times have you heard, well, it's just a period, like everyone gets period or everyone gets PMS. Like, no, that's actually a hormonal imbalance or there's something going on deeper underneath that can be addressed just because it's, just because it's been, um, you know, something that happens a lot doesn't mean that it's something you need to put up with necessarily, um, I would love, I mean, I don't know what your perspective on this or your experience on this is, but the incontinence thing is something that is just talk, you know, just kind of brushed by. And it's something that like women feel so insecure about. They can't talk about it. Um, is pelvic floor PT, the, the kind of main way of going about that after pregnancy, or are there other things that someone could do like with you to help with that kind of misalignment or issue so that it doesn't kind of per- progress for years and months and cause them so much shame, I think is the big thing I hear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the I, I mean, I am a huge proponent of pelvic floor PT. There are different kinds. And so I think it's important for people to know if you go into a pelvic floor PT office, um, I had this experience during my pregnancy, actually. And you know, I went into, it was in a hospital setting and I walked in and they hooked up monitors to various parts of my pelvis. And they, then they had me do certain movements or certain muscle contractions to assess my pelvic floor. That is n- no more indicative of pelvic floor health than like putting a monitor on my bicep and having me do a bicep curl and then telling me my biceps are okay, right? Like there's so much more that goes into that. And I think it's really important for people to know because 
there's this often this connection with Kegels and pelvic floor PT. It's really important for people to know that first of all, not all Kegels are are made the same, but also that's not what everyone needs. And for you to have a truly strong pelvic floor, your pelvic floor needs to be able to relax and extend as much as it contracts. So if you have a hypertonic pelvic floor, you're likely going to have the same, you're going to be exhibiting the same symptoms as someone who has a weak pelvic floor. So it's not always just about strengthening the muscles. It's about finding fluidity in the ability to relax and expand as much as it is in the ability to contract and quote unquote strengthen because true strength is both the full contraction and the full extension of the muscle or muscle group. And, um, so I would say if you, it can be a little hard for people to get comfortable with, but a pelvic PT that's worth their salt is going to do internal manipulation. And it is, um, I understand that it's uncomfortable for some people. And I understand that that's just not, that's not going to work for some people. Um, but it is, it is in my opinion, the most effective way. Um, there are other ways to go about it too. It depends on what is, what is contributing to the pelvic floor dysfunction as well. Is it the pelvic floor itself or is it something else? You know, the psoas is something that becomes hugely affected during pregnancy. Um, And unfortunately, for a long time, we thought in fitness that doing, you know, oblique work in pregnancy was the thing that was going to keep your core strong. But in fact, what that did is is created uh, more dysfunction in the psoas because the psoas takes over. It's already a huge stabilizing muscle in pregnancy. And then it takes over for the core when the core is no longer um, able to support the body in the way that it's used to because, you know, there's a baby in the way. (laughs) So... We see we see these overworked and um, overly targeted and overly tightened psoas muscles, and those can do crazy things to your pelvic floor. You know, if you think about the pelvic floor as as a hammock and it has its attachment points, if the psoas is tight on one side, then suddenly you know the front or the rear attachment point of the pelvic floor is being pulled up on one side or the other, and so then it doesn't even allow you the ability to be able to do supportive movements to strengthen that part of your body because you're out of balance, your axis is off. And so from a from a fitness therapy perspective, it's about targeting the whole body and understanding that releasing neck and jaw muscles can help to release pelvic floor muscles and understanding that targeting different points in the feet can help to release pelvic floor muscles and the idea that really everything is connected. And so, I mean, unfortunately, I think it's just another thing where we have to say it's an individualized care concept. It's not a one size fits all. And it just goes back to that idea that like, it's really about what's going on in your body and being able to target that individually. Wow. I I feel like I just learned a lot about the anatomy of pregnancy and what's going on that that um, picture of the hammock really sticks with me. And I think this is fascinating because I work with a trainer who's very much about just as much about strengthening as releasing. And I hold a lot of stress in my body. And then if you go to tighten it, it's, it's like the work, like it's the worst thing for me. So we're always kind of constantly asking like, where are you in your cycle? What's going on for you emotionally where, you know, before we decide what kind of workout we're going to do for the day, and I would assume it sounds like it's very similar for someone who is pregnant and not all pregnant bodies are the same. I mean, like you said, someone could be a marathon runner. Someone else could be not a runner at all and a strength trainer or not even exercising very much. So their body shape and what they need is going to be different. Wow. Yeah. And, 
you know, for me, I'm 5'2", so I I carry babies different than someone who's 5'10", right? And so the the anatomical and the physiological impact on my body strictly because of the size of my body is going to be different. And so Kimberly, who's 5'2", and, you know, whoever who's 5'10", are not going to have the same recovery. And if we were given the same recovery plan, one of us is getting shorted. No pun intended. <laughs> one of us is getting one of us is getting stiffed, and probably both of us are. And that's and that's just from a, a, a fitness perspective. But the conversation about hormones, like you said, that's another conversation as well. Like if you're using where you are in your cycle as a functional assessment of of how to treat your body in any given day, it's the same in postpartum. You have to figure out where you are in postpartum. Are you still breastfeeding? How long have you been breastfeeding? What are the estrogen levels in your body? Um, if you're, you know, breastfeeding, but you've introduced solid foods, your hormone levels are going to be different. But until you've finished breastfeeding, which is a different length of time for everyone, the, that has a very real contribution to where your body's hormones are. If you weren't able to breastfeed, if you're formula feeding, you have entirely different hormonal requirements also. So it's like just this multifaceted approach that we have to take where we have to look at the physicality of the body and then we have to look at where the hormones are. Because if we're not addressing where the hormones are, then we're not being realistic with people's needs either. Yeah, I think that's really, really important. I, I was working with a breastfeeding mom last year who came to me to work on some stuff and it, you know, she wanted to get rid of some of the stuff that was going on, but it was like, you know, we can only do so much because you are still breastfeeding and we have to like kind of prioritize that healing and that, um, the pace that you're at, um, in terms of just the, the realities of having a life form feeding off of you. Like we can't do the same things that we would do if you were breastfeeding. So it just, you know, I think it just, it seems like the, the overall takeaway is patience yourself, patience with probably your partner and your child even, um, because all of a sudden you have this thing that is like blocking you from who you were before. Like you are now a different person. Your sole attention has to be on providing for this child. Um, and it comes at the cost of your body shape changing, your moods changing, you know, it sounds like pretty much everything changes <laughs> what you have to say. So um, it sounds like it's an exercise in like patience and and um, being kind to yourself. Yeah. Yes. A lot of being kind to yourself and a lot of patience. If it were up to me, if I could change the entire system, I my biggest focus would be to reframe the idea that pregnancy is nine months, right? We we have we have all these allowances and all these exceptions for the nine months or 10 months really of pregnancy and of childbirth. But really it should be two years. We should be looking at pregnancy and then we should be allowing ourselves to have just as much grace and just as much um self love and self-appreciation and just as much patience in that first year postpartum as we do in that in that nearly year of pregnancy. I think that's where the mentality, that's where the mindset needs to shift the most is that that one year in postpartum is going to set you up potentially for the rest of your life. And so if you don't give it the due diligence and the due process that you give your pregnancy, you're you're missing out on a huge piece of the puzzle that allows you the the health and the longevity of the next 40 to 60 years. Mm -hmm. 
Mm, wow. That's really interesting. I feel like that also relates back to, you know, what I teach in terms of the cycle, because it's like, if you don't allow your body to rest when you're bleeding, you are going to burn yourself out by the time you get to ovulation because you're just going and going. And it's like the same thing, but on a longer scale of like, just, just doing what your body needs for that whole two years, like you said, which is, wow, that is who that is really hard to wrap your brain around just from a society perspective of like, yeah, it's nine months and like, boom, you know, that's it. Yeah, right. But really that recovery time takes a lot longer. Holy smokes. Is there anything um, else that you would want to leave the listeners with about postpartum bounce back culture or um, <laughs> things that you've, that you've picked up along the way? um, to, to support them. Um, any, anything at all. I mean, you've shared so many amazing gems in this podcast. Holy smokes. Um, I would just say, it seems counterintuitive, I guess, but look around less, look, look for outside validation, look for how other people are doing it less. And that's not to say how other people are parenting, right? Cause like we all have to learn from each other as parents, but when it comes to, true self-care and the true pregnancy and postpartum experience, it is not about what anyone else goes through because no one else has your body. No one else has your body's physical past. No one else has had the surgeries that you've had. No one else has had the illnesses that you've had. And so no one else's body can do the things that your body does and vice versa. You are not meant to do the things that other people's bodies do. That's what bioindividuality is all about. And so if you can turn sort of turn the blinders on when it comes to other people and how they are experiencing postpartum and really allow yourself, allow yourself to value yourself and allow yourself to understand that this very delicate period of recovery and regeneration, when you do it right, you get to have incredible health benefits into your 80s, into your 90s, when you're 100 years old, you get to set that foundation in that first year of postpartum. So as daunting as it seems to go, oh my God, two years of my life, that seems crazy. When you take a step back and look at the the bigger picture, you actually can do really amazing things if you allow yourself a little more grace and a little more patience. And of oh. course, my DMs are always open. So if people have questions, they can always come to me. Yes. Where do people find you, Kimberly? So I'm on Instagram. My handle is just my name, Kimberly McFerrin. Same for my website, www.kimberlymcfarren.com. My podcast is called The Limitless Pregnancy. I have a lot there. You've been on my podcast. I know. I love your podcast. Limitless Pregnancy, everyone. Go check it out. Yeah. So those are the best places to find me. I'm all about... Um, I'm all about having open conversations. I think that there needs to be a democratization of information across <laughs> across the board as a whole. So I don't create barriers to entry. I don't have people reach out to me in my DMs and then say, oh, okay, you want to have a conversation? Sure. Schedule a consult. You know, it's X amount of hundreds of dollars. Like I will have, I believe that we need to have more conversations with people. Um, so I'm always, always an open door. Oh, me too. I have an open DM policy. Just like reach out. You know, it's like, there's just so much. Yeah, it's just it's frustrating when you just need some answers. I mean, obviously, you can't always tell 
like everything from one conversation. Right. Like even my consults are free because I like if I'm going to work with someone, I want to make sure it's fully aligned, you know, with me and that I can truly help them and that they feel truly aligned, right? Like so I love that you are doing the same thing and um for anyone listening, please take us up on that, right? Like we're not just saying that, like we actually mean it. We want to help and if you're confused or stuck or you don't know what to do with this information, Kimberly's there. So reach out to her at Kimberly McFerrin um dot com or on her Instagram or listen to her podcast because she has amazing, amazing resources on the Limitless Pregnancy Podcast. So yeah, thank you, Kimberly, for coming on and sharing with our audience about this very individualized postpartum journey that um, so many people go through um, probably by themselves and um, feel really alone. It's it's comforting to hear you share your experience uh, working with so many women in this field. Yes. Oh my gosh. Sophie, thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. You know, I will come back anytime. Um, but I'm always happy to have this conversation because I don't want people to feel alone. And that's something that happens so often in postpartum. Yeah, it seems um, very isolating. So thank you for, for sharing that. I hope everyone listening has found some part of um, solidarity in this um, and some wisdom from the amazing Kimberly. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll sign off until next time. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Sophie. I hope this episode got you one step closer to achieving your optimal health. If you liked this episode, please spend a few seconds to rate it so more women can find this resource. Be sure to tune in for more women's health support next week on the She Talks Health podcast. And in the meantime, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at She Talks Health. I have an open door DM policy. No question is stupid and I'm always here for you. 